Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello, my name is Paolo Caimi, and I'm from Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. This presentation is on how do I optimize non-cellular-based therapies targeting CD19 in relapsed refractory diffuse touch B-cell lymphoma. CD19 has been investigated as a target for immune therapies for several decades. The reason for this interest in CD19 as a potential target lies on several characteristics. Probably the best known and discussed one is that it is expressed in most stages of B-cell maturation. And agents that target CD19 can target and treat a multitude of B-cell disorders. Other less discussed factors are the relative abundance of surface expression among CD19-positive cells and the relatively fast internalization and lysosomal processing that happen to antibodies that bind to CD19. These characteristics probably make it an attractive target for both immune therapies that exert their action on the cell surface, like monoclonal antibodies, as well as drugs that depend on internalization of the bound receptor, like antibody drug conjugates. Two antibody-based drugs target CD19, tafacitamab, a glycongenere monoclonal antibody, and loncastuximab, an antibody drug conjugate. While both agents are approved for treatment of diffuse stage B cell lymphoma, there were differences in the trials, and probably this difference in the population studied along with the results of the studies are the most relevant factors when choosing or sequencing these agents. Of course, neither of these drugs can be considered ignoring the existence of CAR T cells targeting CD19, primarily because of these. Cell-based therapies have high activity against diffuse therapy lymphoma and may be considered definitive therapies for a subgroup of patients. The first of these agents is tafastidamab, a glycoengineered monoclonal antibody targeting CD19 with enhancement that increases its affinity for the FC gamma receptor, which results in higher antibody-dependent cytotoxicity and phagocytosis. The ELMINE study was a phase two trial that included patients with transplant ineligible diffuse charge B-cell lymphoma who had relapse or refractory disease, although primary refractory patients were not included. Transplant ineligibility reasons included age, organ dysfunction, previous transplant, absence of response to salvage, as well as refusal to go through transplant or failure to codex CD34 cells. The study enrolled 81 patients, and most were of advanced stage, with a median age of 72 years. The median number of lines of therapy was two, but 50% had received one line of therapy. 46% were considered ineligible for transplant because of an age of over 70 years. The primary endpoint of the trial was objective response, with 61% of patients achieving a response and 43% achieving complete response. What has been highlighted is that among the 48 patients presenting disease response, the duration was 21 for seven months, with 72% having a response of more than one year, with median progression-free survival of 12 months. The safety assessment of this phase two trial suggests the combination of tafacitamab and lenalidomide was relatively well tolerated, 
with hematologic toxicity being the most common. And in practice, these patients will frequently need growth factor support as some of the more heavily treated patients will require transfusions. Among non-hematologic toxicities, some were expected with lenalidomide, such as rash and gastrointestinal symptoms, but perhaps relevant to this patient population, the incidence of peripheral neuropathy was low, 1%. One big logistic hurdle for patients receiving tafacitamab and lenalidomide is that this regimen requires significant coordination, including the prescription of lenalidomide and tafacitamab, as well as a rather intensive schedule with five infusions in the first month, four infusions in the second month, and twice every month until progression. In general, my approach to optimizing the treatment of a patient receiving tafacitamab is the patient selection is probably the most relevant component. I choose this agent as a second-line agent for patients who are both transplant and CAR-T-ineligible patient, as most of the patients who were enrolled in the study had had one line of therapy. I generally do not consider this regimen an option for patients with high-risk disease, such as those with primary refractory disease and those with double-hit lymphomas. It is a relatively well-tolerated regimen, but this population frequently would need growth factor support, although I find my patients can be occasionally burdened by the frequent infusions and treatment until disease progression. Loncastuximab, or sacral agent, is a CD19 antibody drug conjugate with a pyrrolobenzodiazepine payload, a potent cytotoxic that causes DNA cross-linking. The LOTIS-2 trial was a phase 2 trial that included diffuse therapy semifoma patients that had relapsed or refractory disease to two or more lines of therapy. High-risk subgroups were included, and those patients presenting progression after CAR T-cell were also eligible if their disease continued to express CD19. Patients with bulky disease, those with CNS disease, and those with recent transplant were excluded. The treatment was given intravenously every three weeks. The first two cycles consisted of a loading dose and then a subsequent decreasing dose, and patients were treated for up to 12 months. Among patients eligible, the median number of previous therapies was 3, with inclusion of 10% of double-head lymphoma, 20% of patients were primary refractory. The primary endpoint of overall response was 48%, divided equally among complete and partial responders. Median duration of response was 10.3 months, whereas progression-free survival was 5 months. Some notable high-risk groups included patients with high-grade lymphoma and those with prior CAR T-cell therapy, with responses that were comparable to those of other groups. In terms of safety, hematologic toxicity, again, was the most common adverse event, but the remainder of the toxicity profile of Loncastuximab appears to be somewhat different, with absence of peripheral neuropathy, but an increase in GGT without hepatic dysfunction and fluid retention events, including edema and pleural and pericardial effusions. In addition, Rash and photosensitivity are important and patients should be instructed to avoid sun exposure. In my practice, Loncastuximab is an option for patients from different risk groups, including those with double-head lymphoma and those with heart disease progressing after CAR T-cells. I tend to consider Loncastuximab as a treatment alternative for patients with diffuse cell lymphoma who have had CAR T-cells or who are CAR T-cell ineligible. Loncastuximab has a safety profile that requires learning and acquiring experience with it, in particular, management of the fluid overload. And premedication can help ameliorate these events. In general, the rate of adverse events and discontinuation is comparable with other agents.
In conclusion, we are fortunate to have a growing number of agents to treat diffuse large piece and lymphoma that has relapsed after first-line therapy. The drugs targeting C19 are only a small minority, but a very relevant one. The choice and optimization of these two drugs, Loncastuximab and Tafacitumab, are based primarily on treating patients with characteristics comparable to those of trials, as well as understanding the expected adverse events and scheduling pitfalls. Thank you for your attention. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.